Matthew chapter 6. Today we're going to talk about and share from God's Word, getting through the tough stuff. There are just some things in life that are more difficult than others. You know, there are some of you that you've gone through things that are difficult that maybe we or someone else has not. And so we look at it a little different. But if you've been through a lot of stuff and God has, has saw fit through His grace to get you through it alive, and, uh, you know, you may have some experience in some areas that even myself that I haven't been through. I, I'm, while you're turning, I'm reminded in Luke chapter 10, Martha and Mary were getting together and getting ready. They had invited Jesus to come and eat. And when they got there, Martha was all bent out of shape. Martha was trying to get... Now, I have some Marthas in the house. The Marthas are always the ones concerned about the meal and what it's like and making sure that you're taken care of and and that there's hospitality going on. But then I got some Marys in the house. Marys are the ones that they may, it's not that they're disconnected, it's just that they see things a little different, and, and Mary are those that, uh, they sit at, want to sit at the feet of Jesus and take in all that they can, but that doesn't change a Martha. A Martha doesn't understand when you don't come to her aid when she's in need. And in Luke ten forty one, Jesus said to Martha, my dear Martha, you are so upset. Now, can I ask you a question? If your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend or mother and father were to give an evaluation today, would they say that you are of a personality that you have the tendency that you could and can get upset? You're a little on the high-strung stage. If it's a situation that you don't feel like that it's kind of going your way, you can't play cool hand Luke. You're the type of person that you're going to blow it through, an, through a, a, a mental meltdown. And that's what Martha was having here in Luke 10. Jesus said, my dear Martha, you're so upset over all these details. Martha was showing her side of anxiety. Now, Paul cashes in on that when he says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God which passes all comprehension or all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know what Paul was saying? He's saying something that very few of us in this room can do. Be anxious for nothing. Now, I got news for you. Before this sermon's over with today, it's going to pop some of you on the head. You're going to have a pop knot on your forehead to hang your hat. You know what I'm talking about, some of you old timers. Because I'm going to talk about a specific sin that somehow when we look at sin, we don't count this one in. 
We don't bring this one in a part of the list because we are so guilty of it. And for many of us here today that are believers, it's become an habitual sin. And Jesus, he brings it to our attention in Matthew 6. You know, what could be more difficult when you're in the heat of the battle than to letting go all that seems impossible when it comes to your anxiety and your worry? It's okay when we're in the middle of a, of a lull, but when we're knee-deep in a storm, we're in the middle of something that we're all out of our comfort zone and, and, and we're just unsure of everything, if we're not careful, the old ugly head of anxiety and worry will kick in. Paul says, how do you tackle anxiety and gain peace? By praying about everything. Now, I got, I, in this last thing in my life, the longer I prayed sometimes, the more anxious I got. So I'm not sure I was praying to the right power. Y'all ever prayed like that? It's kind of like maybe you're just talking to yourself. And the more you talk and the more you think, the more anxious you get. Well, that's not true prayer, by the way. But it is a form of communication. You see, Paul says, by thanking God for everything that happens in our lives, good or bad, by trusting that his will is greater than our will, his plan is greater than our plan. Now, here's the problem. I got a house full of controllers in here. Can I define that? While you can talk about God's plan all you want to, there ain't many of you willing to follow it if it's uncomfortable. If it means going from Turkey to Jordan, that's uncomfortable. That's nothing. That I, would anybody in here even want to tag up here and just go, I'm going to just let God take care of me. I'm heading to Jordan. Nah, I don't have many takers in here, but two that I know of. And you see, when God's plan is considered, sometimes God's plan is not your plan. And when it's not, that's when your controlling side kicks in. That's when you ignite anxiety. That's when we ignite worry. Now, I know for a fact there ain't nobody in here that worries. No, the truth of it is I don't know that I got anybody in here that don't. So I'm not picking on nobody. If I'm picking on anybody today, it's picking on me. I asked my wife today, maybe I shouldn't have. I said, baby, what is your number one sin? What's the number one on the top of the list? And I said, baby, I know what mine used to be, but it ain't no more on top. Is this thing kicking back? Well, I can't. I, I know what it is, and I can't put it together on my ear. Come here and fix it, Joe. Don't pinch me. I'm buttoning your shirt, Dad. Oh, no, I can't button my shirt. I got all these people I'm talking to. Oh, there it is. All right. Get me a handheld one. Just put it right there in case it just continues. A pink. 
I'm secure in my masculinity. Just in case. See how much I don't worry? You don't have to worry if you're prepared, huh? Or you get ready. We all struggle like Martha. We all have those tendencies to where we want a positive outcome, but when we can't guarantee it, we get all frazzled-dazzled, get upset. You see, Webster talks about anxiety, and we get the word anxiety in the New Testament from a Greek verb that just it means something like this, to be divided, to be distracted. It's the same word that we get from the Latin where it defines or, or it comes across in the English as choking or strangling. You see, worry hasn't changed one bit. 2,000 years ago, it strangled and it choked, and today it still strangles and it chokes us. Now, some of you don't know what to call it. But the fact is, you have become a professional worrier. You worry about the weather. You worry about your health. You worry about your business. You worry about your wealth. She worried about her children, and she worried about her clothes, and she worried about her neighbors, and she worried about her woes. They worried about their taxes. That's a good time this year, time of the year to worry, if you're going to. They worried about their pets. They worried about their future. They worried about their debts. They worried, still they worried, and they worried, but alas, they worried about a lot of things that did not come to pass. I wonder how many of you today are worrying about something right now that you have no control over. Nothing. Now listen, the prayer of serenity says if you can do something about it, quit being a spiritual wuss and do something about it handle that situation but if you can't and it's out of your control it's set up in for different dynamics to go on in your life and mine someone said that worry does not empty tomorrow of its troubles it just robs today of its strength Worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Vance Havener said, worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but you don't get anywhere. There was a great New Testament scholar named Archibald Trench. Some of you may have read some of his stuff. He had a hidden fear, and his hidden fear was that one day he thought in his mind that all of his limbs were going to go completely numb. While in a ball-type setting, he was pinching and pinching, and all of a sudden he said, Oh, my goodness, tonight it has happened. I cannot feel anything a part of my body. I am totally numb. And the lady sitting next to him said, If it will comfort you any, that's my leg you're pinching. You see, the number one sin that all of us face is worry. We're all guilty of it. Guilty of it. Matthew 6, Jesus said, don't worry, verse 25, about everyday life, whether you have enough food, drink, or clothes. 
Verse 27 says, Can all your worries add one single moment to your life or add one inch to your height? Verse 34 says, Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. If I were to ask you, I want you to raise your hand and be honest now. Don't do it. I already know who you are. You know how I can tell that you're a worrywart? I see the wrinkles that are older on your face. You see, when it comes to this subject, when it comes to this particular sin, sometimes it's carved in our bodies by sores we call ulcers. Sometimes it's etched in our faces by lines we call wrinkles. It may be pictured on our lips by, sh- by the shape we call a frown. It can be heard in the footsteps pacing fo- back and forth across at late night, sometimes muffled by the silence of someone lying and staring and looking at the ceiling and says, I can't go to sleep. I wonder today. How many of you are a slave to worry? How many of you are free from it? Are you a worry wart? Webster's Dictionary says this. It says a worry wart is someone who is inclined to worry unduly. Now this one's going out. You're like the... Do you ever notice that when I preach serious stuff, we have all kind of technical difficulties? You know what I'd like to do right now, being the controller, is take this and throw it slap through the walls of, and just scream and holler. Amen. It was like the lady who said that she worried because she had, the lady says she was worried because she didn't have anything to worry about. Don't worry, Al, it's not your fault. It happened three weeks ago, didn't it? Y'all remember that? I went through four microphones before I... I don't know what it is. This is the craziest thing. All I know is if you don't think Satan don't show up in the sound system, huh? Number three. It's the coolest thing. I just know that you ain't supposed to hear what I got to say. You know, there was a woman who had convinced herself that she had an incurable liver condition. And so she was worrying herself sick about it. And finally she went to the doctor. And after all the tests were run, the doctor said she had nothing to worry about. Anyway, the doctor said, you wouldn't know if you had this condition because it causes no discomfort of any kind. The lady said, oh, my goodness, that's my symptoms exactly. Isn't that about us? Some of you are so spiritual in here, you go, I don't worry, Mike. I need your help. If you're truly that way and you haven't worried in the last six months, I want to call this week because we're going to write a book to help me. Yeah, I I want to know how you do it. I know what Paul says. I know what the Word of God says. You do too. But when you have kids and one of them almost drowns in front of your face because like Job, you've had a fear that that kid or you couldn't swim and then all of a sudden that fear comes to light right before your very eyes. Two thousand years ago, 
Jesus pointed out people who worried about things. And let's look at a few of them because the way this sound system is going, I don't know if I'll get through all of them. I may have more points than I got microphones, so let's get on it. Number one, verse 19, Jesus said, Don't store up, can't even stop talking. Don't store up, store up. I want to say stir up. But don't store up treasures here on earth where they can be. I got a college education, y'all. This is getting kind of rough on me. Where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty and where thieves break in and steal. What is Jesus saying 2,000 years ago that they had a problem with worry with? I'll tell you, it was finances. Now, this is a rich church here. Every one of you got more money than you got months, so I'm talking to a different crowd. But sometimes I got more days than I have dollars. And so what happens, and evidently Jesus was preaching to a crowd that that was going on where they had to rely either on faith or worry. And so Jesus evidently had pointed in. He he was talking to a people where they had learned the hard way. Poor people worry that they don't have any money. Rich people worry that they don't have enough money. So the poor spend their life looking for treasure. And the rich spend their life laying it up. Now, some of you have learned the hard way. That if your outgo outgo exceeds your income, then your upkeep will be your downfall. You know what? America is the used to be a number one country financially, in strength and stability. But do you know we've fallen now somewhere? If it's not lower than this, number seven. We're no longer the richest country in the world because we're no longer the smartest, and we're not following the smart one. His name is God. You see, some of you have hit this this change that we're having in the world. Some of you have hit this this economic stressful thing because you've just lost your job. Or maybe you've just started a new company. Or maybe you're getting like my my age at 62 next, not next Sunday, but Sunday after that, April the 9th, you'll hit 62. And you go, whoop. 62 plus 3 equals what? I don't want to think about it. You see, people all over this world, they're having private train wrecks financially. And so it was in the day of Jesus. Number two, he points at that people worry about food. 2,000 years ago, people were worrying about food. Look what he said in verse 25. So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink. Now, honestly, I want you to raise your hand today. Has anybody ever in the last six months worried about your next meal? Anybody? You have? Well, see our food director after. I I mean, there's no sense in that. But when I was in Honduras and when I was in Mexico, oh, my goodness. There are people over there that pray for the next day food. Honestly, I have to say, I have never prayed or had to pray for food. Just never have. 
Now, some of you need to pray about the food you're eating because every, you're eating so much at every meal, you need to back off a little bit anyway. But the fact of it is, Jesus said in verse 26, that the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? What was he saying? Do you really think that God is not going to take care of you like he takes care of his creation? They don't store up, bank up. They just rely on God. Third thing we see is that he picked, in verse 5, he said, look, don't worry about your body or what you put on. What's he talking about? He's talking about your fitness and your fashion. Now, now I'm not against lifting weights, even though I've got this, as Lanny would say, a little piece of leather, but I'm well put together. Remember him saying that? I used to lift weights when I was in high school, when I played football. And I tried to get on a stretching machine because I just feel like I'm only about four foot three. I, I just feel tall. I mean, short. And some of you, you're an inspiration to me because you're shorter than I am. And I love you to death. But unfortunately, I believe if we're not careful, we biblically will put more emphasis or, or less emphasis biblically on on spiritual exercise than we do physical exercise. There's nothing wrong with exercising. Not too long ago, my elbow got so bad, I couldn't move it. Or at least that's what I told my wife. It got me out of a lot of things for a little while until I realized there was out there for a tennis elbow called a flex bar. And I ordered one of those. And I started on a routine for six weeks with that flex bar. And you know what? I was able to carry maybe one or two pieces of firewood into the house. Now I carry six, seven, eight, and I don't have any pain. So I'm not anti-exercise. But I think sometimes if we're not careful, we will not do what this verse says. 1 Timothy 4, 8 says, look, physical exercise is, is a value, but it's only some value. But spiritual exercise is much more important for its promises and much more rewarding in both this life and the life to come. Let me tell you what's impressive. Now, don't get me wrong. Hidden dreams that I just didn't, I passed it. I didn't get a six-pack. Now, I'm not talking about beer. You know what, guys, you know what I'm talking about, six-pack. I got a case. And thank God I've been losing some weight. I'm able, I, I, you know, I used to, to go to the store and I had to get a third. I, I always look for a 29 length. If any of you are out there in Lee jeans and find 32, 29, buy it. I'll pay you back. I can't find them. But now when I put on 34, it looks like something moved out. You know what I mean? And you got to be careful. You either pull your belt tighter. Somebody told me the other day, they said, you need to get some better fitting clothes. I said, okay. And, and so I went out and tried to find some. 32s. And I used to wear a large shirt. Now I'm down to a small. And I mean, a medium. I was lying. 
But what happens is I believe if we're not careful, we'll put more weightier things on the weights than we do the spiritual disciplines of the Word of God. And then there was a lady who was struggling with the, her fashion side, and, and she, she told her husband, she says, Honey, I believe I need surgery cosmetically. But she said, I got to thinking about if I spend all that money because it's very expensive, what would, I, what would we do, babe, if all of a sudden I spend thousands and thousands of dollars beautifying myself and all of a sudden I drop dead? He said, well, I guess we'll just leave the casket open for you a little bit longer. <laughs> you see, I don't know of too many people that don't get hung up when it comes to fashion. Now, I could meddle there, but I don't have enough time to your advantage. But the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 3, don't be concerned about the outward beauty that depends on fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. We should be known for the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of gentle, quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. And then the fourth thing, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said they used to worry about the future. Now, when I was 30, 40, 50, for some reason or other, I didn't think about retirement. But now when you get, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm trying to be transparent with you. I done hit 60. And, and now, guess what you start thinking about when you hit 60? You start thinking about the downhill of the backside of the fourth quarter. And, and I, I mean, I, when I was in the first quarter, second quarter, third, but fourth quarter, you get thinking about all kind of things. Things just are different. And, and so you got to just kind of rely on the Lord about your future a little bit more. And so Jesus said in verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I wonder how many of you spend more time concerned about what's happened to you and what hadn't happened yet than you do today. Let's face it. A lot of our minds on tomorrow. And some of you are in here hung up on the sins of your past. If God has forgiven you and you have been cleansed, I just want you to know, don't blame it on God because you're still pointing at the past. Blame yourself. Because you have got to be the one to let it go. Jesus has already done it. If you've been forgiven. I'm not saying that because you let your past go. You say, well, how can I be forgiven? You have to be saved. (laughs) Jesus has to be in your heart. To be forgiven. Every presidential election here lately for the last few years, when the president gets to office, the big concern and push has been economics, finances, social, and vocational futures. Well, let me clarify something. There's a difference between worry and concern. If you're not concerned about your children playing in the street or the traffic, I just want you to know that's called being a bad parent. 
If you're not concerned about saving money for the future or retirement, that could be a bit foolish. There are certain things every day that you need to be legitimately concerned about, but there's a difference between being carefree and careless. I'm not talking about legitimate concerns. I'm talking about illegitimate worry. Concern focuses on the present. Worry is attached to the future. Jesus took that fear head on when he said, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. For sufficient of the, for the day is the tr- of, its, of its own trouble of the day. Somebody said that worry is the interest we pay in advance for today for the trouble that we may never, that may never come tomorrow. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That's a good verse to memorize. But you'll only through the power and glory and grace of God Will you implement that in your life? Because you see, worry is a trust issue. It's tr- it, it's a, it's, we're just flat saying when we worry that we don't trust God. It's a slap in his face. And oftentimes I'm guilty of my own self of slapping my own Jesus because I worry. There was a cowboy who went into a store And he asked the clerk, how much are those spurs? He said, $10 a pair. He said, I'll take one. That's $5, right? He said, yeah, but he said, what you going to do with just one spur? The cowboy said, well, I reckon if I can get one side of that horse going, that the other side will keep up. Well, I promise you this. If you and I will trust God for today, I guarantee you he will take care of you for tomorrow. And we don't have to worry about that. So look one way at a time. Look one day at a time. And give your heart a rest. Be not anxious. Be not divided or twisted or strangled to death. By our own ability to trust God. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed,